there's a process to setting up here. You've got to get everything ready to go. Water bottle's got to have a lid off. You've got to have your glasses now that you come up when you get older. Some of you young brothers that start speaking, you don't need those yet, but you will. God is good. I did not stand up and testify because I was going to be up here. You're going to have to hear me uh, for a while. But I am very thankful for what the Lord is doing in this body. I think we could all testify about that almost every week. Every time we have a testimony service, we can be thankful for what God is doing. I mean, just not just the exterior and interior of a building, although that's pretty awesome. It's, after being out here a year and a half in a, in a rental um, conference center that we're sharing with AA and various whatevers, it's awesome to have our own place. But I, I love seeing what God's doing in our body and growing our young people, the marriages, the families. It's a privilege to be a part of the body of Christ and getting to actually live life together. And um, it's kind of a little bit of what I'm, I'm going to speak on tonight. Uh, if you go to Matthew chapter 18 with me, I want to talk to you about this idea of the heathen and the tax collector. The heathen and the tax collector. <clears throat> Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to even hear the church, then let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Lord, we just thank you, God, for your word. And Jesus, we thank you that we could come together tonight and, and we can worship and praise you. And then open your word, God, and, and see something in the scriptures, God, that will... Help us to have some clarity and to draw us closer to you. And God, I want to be robed in you. I want my garment to be all of you. And so that means every part, every piece. God, totally submerged, Lord, in who you are. And God, I, I'm not just in this to be endued, but I know that's coming. I know that there's an ability, God, because you are completely surrounding us. Lord, we have the ability to live for you, to have the fruit of your spirit living through our lives. I pray, God, that tonight, Lord, this word would come through from you, not just something I've studied, but, God, something that's going to touch our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The heathen and the tax collector. Now, when you look in the Greek, this word for heathen, uh, it's a pagan or a Gentile, and Jesus is speaking to Jewish people here. Uh, but the concept is, is let them be as a heathen and a tax collector. Now, we're going to break this down a little bit, but, but there is sort of an inference here that there natural relationship that the Jews are to have, that the people of God are to have with the pagan, with the tax collector. Does that make sense? There's already a natural relationship here. What is a heathen? What is a pagan? Well, it's more than just an unbeliever. And I think sometimes we use that term, we soften that, that term pagan with the word unbeliever. Well, they're just an unbeliever. They're really good people. They, they live morally. Hey, the conservative movement they're great people with a lot of great things, but they're just unbelievers. Well, time out. An unbeliever, a pagan, lives a lifestyle completely contrary to God. I don't want to make the mistake of softening what that is. And you want to know why? Because I was once a heathen. And most of you were at some point a heathen. Brother Destiny, you're giving that testimony. And I was thinking, man, you know how bad we missed you. I mean, you and I were friends through high school, and Dustin's gone for many years. I couldn't treat you as my best friend, Dustin, during that time. We're going different directions. There, 
It, but did we, did we love you? Did we pray for you? I mean, I don't know how many prayer services we, you, your name was brought up in prayer as it is now. But there was a relationship that you and I could not have. It wasn't possible to have. Because the lifestyle and the purpose of, of the life of the pagan or the unbeliever runs completely contrary to the life of the Christian. The heathen operates in the world system entirely. A selfish nature. They're, they're running after whether it's money or whether it's pleasure or whether it's fame or whatever it is. It's the world system. I can't be close to the heathen. I can't operate in relationship with the heathen. The tax collector is something even worse. The tax collector is considered a traitor to the people of faith. Matthew, who's writing this, is he is a tax collector when Jesus calls him. And the publican or the tax collector has sided with the Roman occupation. And the Jews hate Rome because Rome's in control of, of who they are, where they live, how they interact. Now, Rome has given them a surprising amount of freedom to operate within their system. But they hate Rome because Rome is the ultimate authority over them. And the problem with the tax collector is he said, I'm going to side with the Roman occupation. Not only that, I'm going to extort my own people. I'm going to, in most cases, lie and cheat and steal from them. They usually had hired thugs. They had people that would help enforce the laws of tax collecting on the Jews. And this is one of their own. They're a traitor to the faith. Am I cutting out pretty bad? We're just going to have to work through it. The tax collector is the worst of the worst because they know the faith and they should be loyal to the people, yet they operate in the world's system and they extort the people of God. I'm looking at these verses the other day and they seem to run contrary to Matthew 18. And I don't want to go over all of Matthew 18. But there are some pretty interesting things that are, that are being said. When you start off in this chapter, Jesus is going to talk about the, you have to enter as a child. And he's going to talk about you have to be like a child. And he's going to get into this part of if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You guys remember that? It's okay. Pastor Ronnie's just doing some stuff. You guys can also, you can also focus on the message. There's something about when I take the mic, it just doesn't work for me. Wednesday night, I'm, I think next time I'm just going to put it down. We'll just, we'll just yell at you. I, I've, I've raised kids. Um, my voice is not hoarse because they're not kids anymore. I'm not yelling at them as much. But I'm very practiced in the art of yelling, so I can do it. But in this chapter, as you read through 18, you get to these parts, and it seems to kind of get into forgiveness. And what the Lord's going to do is as he's walking through, you cannot have things in your life that cause you to sin. Cut them out. You have to get rid of them. If it causes you to sin, cut it out. If it's, if it's too big of a temptation, get rid of it. it You've got to enter the kingdom of heaven at all costs. And it's not just about getting to the pearly gates. It's about being clothed in Christ, Pastor. It's a person. It's a Lord. It's a Savior. He's real. He's my king. And, and he's bringing this home. And, and he gets to this few parts here. He says, right before we get into verse 15, he tells the story of the shepherd who's got 100 sheep. And, and the one sheep goes astray. And he leaves right the 99 to restore the one back to the fold. And he says, even so it is the will of your Father who's in heaven that not even one of these little ones should perish. 
after we do this setting of Scripture, he's going to talk about the master who forgives a servant who owes a huge debt, and then that servant goes out, and, and he should forgive his fellow servants, but he doesn't, remember? He, he holds against another servant the debt that one owed him. And, and so that one's going to come, and the master's going to find out that what the servant had done, and he's angry, not that the servant accrued more debt against him, but that he would not go and forgive his brother. Peter is going to ask this question of the Lord in these settings. How many times do we forgive? Seven times? And you remember the Lord said 70 times seven, Peter. Peter's going to be one of the worst offenders, uh, 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 needing repentance and forgiveness of the Lord. And, and, And he's asking this question like, How many times do we forgive? And sandwiched in the middle of all this, we have this sort of odd setting where Jesus says, let them be as the heathen, the tax collector. And it would bother me because he's telling me to forgive, to forgive, to forgive. If I go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, he's going to talk about love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you. You guys remember that? And then we get to this setting. The default setting, I believe, to to use a line from Dustin, two things are true at the same time. The default setting here is there's some distance between us and the world. And I can still love. And I can still bless. And I can still pray. And I can still do good. Scripture says do good works so that they will see them and glorify the Lord, our Father in heaven. But what we've done as a church, I, I love what um, last week Rod Parsley said. He was quoting Joel Osteen's father. Now, I don't know anything about that man. I know what his son looks like. I don't know anything about his father. But he said that, that he had mentioned that the world has gotten so churchy and the church has gotten so worldly, I can't tell the difference. It's something we do with love and forgiveness is we extend this out so one-sided that, that by forgiving we almost receive every bit of worldliness, every bit of paganism, every bit of tax-collecting, publican, whatever it is, call it politics, call it worldliness. And in our forgiveness and our effort as a church to love unconditionally and to be tolerant unconditionally, we extend forgiveness in a way that it is not meant to be extended. But we are meant to forgive. Oh, my. On the other side of it, there are people in the church who just won't forgive. You ever met somebody bitter and angry? And there is nothing you can do. They are just hateful. I mean, I have done some wrong things before. But, but there was a certain family member I had that if I slipped up and did something wrong, it might take months for me to find a place of forgiveness from this person. It didn't matter. It was brought up time and time and time again. Though there was weeping and tears, I couldn't find forgiveness with them. Have you ever ran into somebody like that? That's a real thing, too. What I see the Lord doing in these scriptures, He is about relationship. In order to maintain relationship with one another, we're going to have to be ready to forgive. And it's not the kind of forgiveness that says, hey, we're good, but I still hold it in. You ever said that? Yeeps, I've done that. Usually it's with your spouse. Hey, I'm good. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything is not fine. I'm saying it, but I'm not really over it. I'm going to remember what you did for a while. 
uh, forgiveness is different. Forgiveness is restoration because there's two sides to forgiveness. The default setting, if you will, in relationship for us. When it comes to the heathen, the unbelievers, the pagan lifestyle, I am to have a distance between us. But when it comes to the brothers and sisters in the Lord, there's to be no distance between us. It's the opposite effect. Jesus said this, I think, in John chapter 13. He said, they're going to know you're my disciples by something very specific, your love for one another. Man, if, if, if we get a good look, at, we've all been visiting churches, and, and there's been a couple good ones. We, I love Brother Denton's church. I, I think they're great people. So we've seen some good ones, but there is quite a few. I'm not feeling the love. I'm not feeling the brethren. I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry I came in and I, and I did not wear the correct attire. I, I'm covered. I'm modest. I'm here to honor the Lord. But for some reason, I'm just not part of the family. <laughs> we serve the same king, yet we don't because I did not get the dress code before I came in. Maybe post that sign at the door. Like, you're not welcome unless you hit these marks. I don't know. Might be helpful. I'd like a better clue. There are some places you go, you're just not brothers and sisters. And the Lord is saying in these verses, this is the priority. The priority is to do everything you can to maintain close relationship with the body of Christ. Do you see how big of a deal this actually is in these verses? When a brother or sister sins against you, you do not go and tell everybody else first. You don't, you don't post it on Facebook. You don't post it on, is it X now? It used to be Twitter, I think. Is it X? X. You don't post it on X. You don't get on TikTok, make a video, don't put a YouTube. You don't do that. You go to your brother and sister to win them back. Because this is the most important relationship you have outside of Christ. It's that clothed in his, I love that submerging. I just, that, that's been in my heart all day. I, this is what I'm clothed with is the Lord. And you know what his most important relationship is? you and I. If I am submerged in him and I love him first, the greatest commandment, the next commandment's right after that. I love one another. Because if I'm submerged in him, the default setting for my heart, mind, soul, and strength is to love you. That absolutely first and next. Before anything. So I'm set here to love one another and in order to make a separation in the body. Before I separate from any single person in the body of Christ, there is a long process. It doesn't happen because I'm irritated with you. It doesn't happen because you've bothered me. Or even if you've sinned against me, I don't get to separate yet. No. In fact, my heart is supposed to be in the middle of this chapter. The heart is to forgive, restore, and love. That's the heart of the brothers and sisters in Christ. And I can't lose that. Love your enemy, but do not fellowship with them. Love your enemy, but do not partner with them. I was thinking about when I started coming to church. Uh, Sister Kay, you said something this morning, and you say it a lot, and I love it. Sometimes when we're talking to new people, you'll say, this is one of my sons. And, and you'll hug me and say, this is one of my adopted sons, or this is one of my sons. And I'm very proud to say that, that, that you're my mom. You're one of my, my, my mother. And I have a spiritual father. I'm proud to say that, be a part of it. But when I was 16 and I showed up at the church and I started coming, 
I was not that. I couldn't be that. There was no relationship yet. There was nothing there yet. There was a kid who needed help. There was a a 16-year-old teenager who was at a crossroads, who was possibly going to walk off into the world in a life of sin and debauchery, who was already there. And how many of you are going, you guys have been here? I'm not the only one, but I'm standing at a crossroads. And thanks be to God, there were some people that knew what I was and did not lie to me and tell me what I was not. I was not a child of God yet, but I could be. I was not saved and delivered yet, but it was there for me. I was not a son in the house yet. I was not there, but I could be. And and so the, the ministry here was we love you. We want to bless you. We want to encourage you. But you've got to find Jesus. Because to be a part of this kingdom, it's going to be your repentance with the Lord who is ready to forgive everything you've ever thought, done, desired. It is washed clean in a moment. But I'm not there because I walked through the door. And I'm not there because a pastor or an evangelist preaching to 100,000 people prayed a prayer over me. I walk out of that setting, and if I haven't repented, the forgiveness is not there. He's ready and willing to forgive all of it at a moment. But if I don't repent, it's not there because I walk right back into my old thing because I'm a heathen, because my mindset, my heart set, What I am is default set to live like the world, to practice sin, to practice lawlessness. I walk straight out of that moment with the Lord. The pastor prays forgiveness over everybody. I turn around, I turn my rap music back on, get my pornography back on the phone, and I start doing drugs again. I am not saved. So the love that we give, if we give it so one-sided... It's not real forgiveness, and it's not real repentance. It cannot be. Bless those who curse you, but do not have a close friendship to be accepted by them. Bless those who curse you, but you're not trying to be approved by anyone in this world. Young people, understand something. If you get unequally yoked to a heathen, you will go down the path of the heathen. You will end up in a place of unforgiveness and unrepentance and that is outside of being clothed in Christ so you have to realize who is who in this thing understanding who the heathen and the tax collectors are and then the relationship needs to be appropriate in that do good to those who hate you but do not desire an intimate relationship with those who hate you Don't consider them as partners in this life. Pray for those who do not repent, but don't make a place for them despite a lack of repentance. This is somewhere with our families. It's very easy to do. I want to believe so badly that certain people serve the Lord. I want to believe so badly that certain people have repented and they have not. And I give them a place of intimacy. I tell them things I shouldn't tell them. I receive them and accept them in a way they do not belong. They are still a heathen. They are still a tax collector. But yet I'm treating them like a brother or a sister. And when I do that, I have cut off their need to repent. I may be the only light of Christ they see. 
if I'm clothed in Christ and I'm operating properly in His Spirit, I have got to operate also in His Word. I cannot make a place of, of brother and sister in my life with somebody who is unrepentant and is not serving the Lord. I have to make a separation of some kind. If there is no separation, there is no way to be truly reconciled. If there is no separation, there is no way to be truly reconciled. It's not possible. The heathen and the tax collector, the Lord is giving us a general statement. Keep your distance. It's a general statement. Generally, keep your distance. How can there be a restoration of a relationship if the abuser still abuses? How can there be a restoration if the cheater still cheats? If the liar still lies? If the addict is still an addict? How can there be? There can't. But are we ready and willing to forgive at the very tip of my lips, at the very end of my tongue, am I ready? Because that's where the Lord is. So Loved so much. He spilled his own blood. He, he gave his own body for this. That is love that sent him to the cross. That is, Pastor Ronnie, the greatest picture of love we ever see is the cross. Why do we have to preach the cross so much? It's bloody. It's a mess. There's pain. There's because it's the greatest picture of love. And the Lord did not waste that to leave sinners lost and dying in their sin. But it is a place of repentance and reconciliation. Because God in Christ was reconciling the world to himself through himself. But there's a part to play from us. We don't get there because he died. Well, well the Lord forgave future sin. Future sin for the repentant sinner? There's a caveat there. Yes, one sacrifice for all time. But your heart has got to be towards your master, towards your king. He's not sitting there waiting to throw us out. I, I love, Pastor, you've preached this a few times. The Lord is not looking for reasons to throw us out. He's looking for ways to, to restore and forgive and love. It's on the tip of his tongue. It's ready. And he wants us to operate in the exact same way. And if you don't separate properly, you will not know how to forgive properly. We will err here, and we will lose lost loved ones to hell. We will err here, and we will separate from brothers and sisters in Christ whom we need badly and dearly to live this life in honoring the Lord, in growing, in helping our loved ones to find Christ. We cannot err here on either side. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Put away with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Repentance and forgiveness is an action, an action that removes the separation between two people. Forgiveness and repentance, the two come together, it's an action. Don't assume somebody has repented if there has been no action. Most likely, there has not been repentance. I forgive you because I love you, and there's no repentance. 
you're going to have to redo this again at some point. It's not done. I love you. I forgive you. I love you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Time out. I love you. You're welcome to come in and repent and get right before the Lord. I want you to come through those doors and find Christ. I, I, I'll do it at my house. I, there was, I was, had the situation with someone I very close to me, loved very much. They were walking out of the Lord. I fasted and prayed for them. I spent time there on, a, on the couch and were weeping and crying. And I said, you've got to repent. You've got to find the Lord. I can't do this for you. I can't do it. But you can. In a moment, you can. But you've got to mean it and you've got to repent. And guess what's going to happen? The Lord's going to restore your life. And everybody who is a true Christian and loves the Lord will forgive you in a moment. Have you not found that to be true in this church? But I'm so glad I've been a part of this body. Because I have messed up a time or two even after I've come to the Lord. Anybody ever slipped up after you come to the Lord? I thought if you messed up, you got thrown out. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Because we are commanded by the Lord. Quick to forgive. You forgive your brother. You forgive your sister. You get this relationship back. And if there's repentance, you have gained your brother back. You've gained them. But there has to be an action from two people, not just one. The Lord's Prayer reminds us of something about forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses, and it's in the plural. As a church body, we have to think in this way. How we forgive, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. And, I, and I'm concerned. There are some churches we've gotten to know. There are some churches who operate in such self-righteousness. I don't want to be there. Because I'm praying, God, forgive me the same way that I forgive. Boy, am I concerned about the way I'm going to be forgiven. God, don't let me operate in self-righteousness. I'm not better than anybody. Don't let me ever think that somehow I am better than someone else. I'm not, but I am clothed in the right garment. I'm submerged in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same way that I am, so can you be. So can you. There isn't something better about me. I've just got the right coat on. There's not something better. I'm just in the right place in Christ. And that's available to everyone who wants them. What a blessing. That this thing is not just about the Jew or just about a Christian born in a Christian family. You see, the Lord is talking to Jews here and he says, you got to, you treat them as a heathen, as a Gentile. And that means they've got no chance. Of, they can't come in the temple. They cannot fellowship. They cannot be a part of the things of God. Gentiles are not allowed in. Aren't you glad God makes exceptions at times? And then once and for all, Jesus said, this is to everyone. This is not done just for the Jew. I came through the Jews. It's to the Jew first, but then to the Greek, then to the Gentile. This is for the heathen. There is a call that goes out, and it goes out to every heathen and every publican that there is. Have you found this to be true? The people that hurt you the deepest are the ones you considered the closest brothers, the closest sisters, sometimes even in your own family. And these are the very ones, the very ones that I have got to be ready to forgive. But I need to have a conversation at times for their repentance. This is hard. What Jesus lays down in here 
is very difficult to restore relationship. It's more difficult than just reading it over. And if you look at these verses, if your brother sins against you, this is in the singular. This is something that's happened to you. This is a sin against you. This is not somebody looked at me wrong. I had a family member get mad at our church pastor because one of your daughters did not shake their hand. It wasn't you. <laughs> and I, I told the person, I said, I cannot believe that's an actual issue for you. You seriously can't come back to church because one of the pastor's daughters did not shake your hand? That's right, because that's an extension of who he is. Yeah, I don't want you coming back. So I said, no, I don't want that. I don't want that in my church. I love my church too much. I don't want that in my church. Oh, somebody very close to me. They did not like what I had to say. But there's no way to reconcile if I don't call that out. I had to pray about it. I fasted about it. I went to this person in a heart of love, and I said, listen, you are in error in some places in your life. You don't know the Lord. Stop saying you know him. You don't. And you've got to repent, and you need to reconcile with God first and then the people of God next, and they go together. You can't just say, God, forgive me, and sit in your living room or your bedroom and be saved. It's not going to work. You've got bitterness. You've got an unresolved connection. You need the body of Christ. You have got to resolve all issues because you cannot be forgiven if you don't forgive. This is a concept rarely taught, but Jesus taught it. There is no forgiveness if you don't forgive. Consider the first message Peter preaches after Pentecost. And he's going to stand there, and he's going to preach to the Jews. And he begins to lay out for them, you crucified the Lord. The Spirit of God is poured out. You guys have been in services where the Spirit was so thick, you can hardly stand. I've been there where all you could do is weep. God is exposing our sin, our shortcomings. He's calling us to him. I, I can't get out of his presence. I just want to get on my knees. This is happening. 3,000 Jews are added to the church that day. They're converted to the Lord. But they, they have this moment. As Peter has said, you crucified him. And God raised him and, and made him Lord and Christ. And they cried out. They are cut to the heart. But they say, what do we do? What can we do now? Have you ever had that sinking feeling from something you've done? <clears throat> yeah, I had that a couple times. A week later, a month later, maybe a year later, maybe a couple years later, I began to look at the sin I had committed and that sinking feeling of, oh, no, what do I do now? What can I possibly do? I can't go to church. I can't go and talk to anybody about this. The shame's too great. The guilt's too great. My heart is sinking. Can you imagine if you were one of the ones yelling, crucify him? Can you imagine when you had the realization of who you just sent to the cross? They are standing there, and it hits them. It hits them full in the face. We crucified the Lord. I cried out. I said, crucify him. I was one of the ones that were casting my vote. Send him to the cross. I watched him die. I was one of the ones that was glad when he cried out in pain. I was one of the ones that saw it, and I liked it. And now I realize what I've done. What can I do now? 
Peter says, repent. There's forgiveness for you. It's why he died. It's why he did this. He let you crucify him so he could forgive you of the very sin. Repent. There is a place of forgiveness and repentance that restores a relationship that we were meant to have that we never even knew was available. But I got to come to him with a full heart. Says God, forgive me. I'm going to change what I've been doing. I'm going to change who I've been. Because, Lord, I want that relationship with you. And he is ready to forgive. What a heart's cry. And so now I get to my brother and sister. And they have sinned against me. They sinned against me. And the Lord says, you go to them alone. Go restore your brother. We do not hardly ever do this part let alone part two or three. Somebody's wronged us, and all I want to do is talk about it. All I want to do is vent about it. All I want to do is post it. And what I will do if I don't talk about it, and I do the opposite, is I sever the relationship and I ignore it. And both of those options are sin for you, sin for me. I am to go to this brother because I have to gain my brother. Could you imagine if the Lord forgave me of that sinking, feeling pit of sin? If he forgave me the same way I want to forgive my brothers and sisters? Now, I'm going to say something here. Let me just time out. Because there are plenty of places that Paul taught. There are some people in the church that need to be divided out. I'm not talking about that. There are some people in the church that are so disruptive and so divisive that Paul says, you've got to remove them. And you know their path back is the same way. But they are divided for a reason. Because they are a heathen and a tax collector. And there is a distance that needs to be set between. And it's not that we don't love them and bless them when they curse us and pray for them when they spitefully use us. Yes, I do that from this distance. I don't do that from this distance i got to have that separation in place. Whether they're blood, whether they're family, friend, longtime partner in business, I don't care what it is. My childhood friend, I was five years old, been friends forever. But they're a heathen. There has to be a separation or they never know how to get to the Lord. Because I have muddied that water so bad. I have compromised that so bad. I have told them, I'm praying for you. God's blessing you. Oh, that's awesome you got that new job. That's great what's happening in your family. God is blessing you. God is not blessing them. God's hand is not on the heathen, except in the call to come to repentance. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love that God has poured out. And so, I go to my brother and sister, and they won't be restored. I got this sin between us, and I go to them, and I talk to them, and it doesn't work. Now, if I got that much gumption, if I was able to get to this point and pray and come to them and talk, normally right here, I'm done. You know what? I'm done. You go your way, I go my way. I'm not going to deal with it. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says at this point, 
the goal is to gain your brother. It's to gain your sister. Now go and get two or three. Go and get one or two. Godly people. People that can see maybe a different angle or two. I just talked to Pastor Ron the other night about this. Sometimes you just need a different perspective. I have found, this has been true a couple of times, that when somebody has sinned against me, in fact, they did not. But my perception was wrong. And I was wrong. And it took Pastor Rodney or Brother Dustin or Pastor Rod or sometimes Sandy to say, you're not seeing this right. You're in error. This is not right. Has anybody ever done that? But if I don't get two or three godly people to help me out here, I'm going to sever a relationship with a brother or sister in the Lord, and I am going to endanger myself of walking in a place of unforgiveness. I'm going to say this is a danger to the church, the heart of the church, to walk in that place when we are commanded, the Lord would shed his own blood for this thing. I'm going to trample on that because I'm offended. I'm going to trample on that because my feelings are hurt. And sometimes it's a lot more serious than that too. I don't know how you forgive certain things that happen in a church. I don't know how. But I know this, there are times when God says, divide that out, remove that from the body. And you know how I'm going to know if that's true? Pastor, Rodney, Josh, Dustin, Austin, maybe Brandon, maybe Jake. Maybe I get five or six people to help me see something. We go to restore that person and they're not restored. They won't hear the two brethren. Now we go before the church. Because the goal is to restore the brother. Do you see the heart of God is in the middle of this forgiveness? It's in the middle of forgiving. And there's no amount of forgiveness that's too much. It is to forgive and restore. But it does take repentance. This process is not easy. This is hard. This is hard to go through. But the goal is to win one another. We cannot ever operate in a place with the body of Christ that is not close. That's for the heathen and the tax collector. To love from afar. But I have said this even some years ago in our church. I love them, I pray for them, but I don't like them. Am I the only one that's ever thought that or said that? I love them. That's for the heathen. That's for the tax collector. That is not for the brothers and sisters of the Lord. The brothers and sisters, I say, I've got to get close to this brother. They love Jesus. They love the Lord. And if there's sin there, I have an obligation to root that out. Jesus, if you look at the end of this setting, verse 20, he makes a statement. And I quote this all the time, probably out of context. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Isn't it funny that it shows up right here in the middle of all this forgiveness and reconciliation and repentance? Well, I know where the Lord's at. The Lord, where two or three are gathered, He is there to baptize in His Holy Spirit, and He's going to give gifts, and you can operate in all the gifts you want and do all the crazy things you... He may be, he, he shows up all kinds of places, but I know for sure that if I want to restore a brother, I know for sure... 
that if my heart is forgiveness and repentance, I know without a doubt when I have two or three of my brothers with me and we're going to have this conversation and, and we are praying and we are fasting and we are seeking God and we're trying to restore a brother, I know without a doubt he's in the midst of that. Because that can't be faked. That can't be phonied. That's the heart of true brethren that say, I want to restore one who's going astray. I want to restore one who is lost. And I'm going to tell you, there are a few young people in this church right now that are standing on the edge of decision, that have already chosen the world, they've already chosen sin. How many of us are walking to them saying, you need to be restored? You need to be repentant. You need to be delivered of your sin. Too many times I default to this. I just love you. Don't worry. God's got this. Don't worry. Everything's okay in the Lord. Hey, you love God. You love the Lord. Everything's going to work out. You need to repent and be reconciled to the Lord. You need forgiveness of the Lord, and, and I am ready to forgive you too. I am right here. This whole church is here. We want you part. We want you as a brother and a sister in the Lord, but we can't get there. If your heart is, is in this place of unrepentance, we can't get there. You're a heathen. You're a tax collector. I can't be partnered with the world. To be friends with the world is to be what? To God. But Chris, I got to love. I've got to, yes, from a distance. We work together. We don't do life together. We may be involved in a sport, an activity, or a community event, but we are not close. We serve the same country. We love the same flag, but we don't all serve the same God. We may like the same kinds of music, some, very little to like the same, but we do not share the same praise. We might wear the same clothes, but our temple belongs to God, theirs to man. The body of Christ is unique in that we are joined together, knitted together, fitted to form a union of a body of Christ, to have ought with one another, to have issue with one another, is to cause those joints and fits to not be seamless. You're going to have some knee pain, joint pain, ankle pain. As I'm getting older, I find it a little harder to do things. The body of Christ operates in unison. It's like being 25, having, having your wits about you, and everything's functioning good. Isn't that awesome? But that's what it's supposed to look like. We should live this life partnered together for here and beyond. We have a different purpose. I'm almost done. We should be close, closer than blood relation, because the spirit is eternally bound. Our spirit in Christ goes through eternity. Blood relatives last this one life. I'm not saying don't love your family, but if they're heathen, I love my family. I do. I'm brokenhearted when those don't follow the Lord. But if I spend so much time on this and so little time on this, my priorities are out of order. And I'm going to miss what we have in Christ right here. We serve the same God, or we should, with the same fervor. We should share the same praise for the same Savior. We should offer this same temple as a living sacrifice 
holy and acceptable to God, every one of us in unison with the right heart, not the perfect outside look. None of us look perfect. Well, a few people look really good, but most of us don't look good. Remember, we too were all heathen. We were all pagan. What drew you to Christ? I was not loved into the kingdom and told I was good. I was loved from afar and told, come this way. I was blessed. Our pastor bought a basketball hoop so I would come on Wednesday night. I was thinking about D.L. Moody doing pony rides. Now, Pastor Rod put a basketball hoop up, and there's a few of us ministering today. It was more than a basketball hoop. I had people praying for me, loving me from this distance, saying, come. But there's a lot of churches with basketball hoops, and there's very few conversions. So what's the difference? I'm going to show reconciliation. I'm going to show them how do I forgive, how the Lord forgives, how there's love in this kingdom, and all you have to do is turn from your way and come to this Christ who wants to save you. Keep your distance from the heathen. You are holy, separate, set apart for the King of Kings. And if you keep the distance, then your love can actually affect those that are in this world. Amen? Pastor, God bless you.